0: He tēnei nā te reo irirangi o
1: this is Media Watch. I'm Colin Peacock. When the global company Discovery bought the loss making TV channel 3 and others from the struggling broadcaster MediaWorks, people were pretty pleased that a major media outfit was now in charge. But not so much this week.
0: For decades when disaster
1: struck or when the clock hits 6pm, Kiwis have had a choice about who to turn to and who to turn on. But very
0: soon, there will only be one.
1: That was News Hub's Amelia Wade on Wednesday's News Hub at 6 with the job no journalist would want, reporting on the likely demise of not only your own job, but your entire news organisation. As she pointed out there, that means a shriveling of choice for TV news viewers, though not quite down to one. In addition to TVNZ's One News, Fakata Māori is of course broadcasting news nationwide on TV each day as well. But also on Wednesday's News Hub Bulletin, which became a news event in itself, News Hub's investigations reporter Michael Mora had the same unenviable task, channelling his own and his colleagues' reactions – like this. Certainly the news is still sinking in for me, and I think the most difficult part of all of this is that we're all mates here at three. But while he described a family at NewsHub, the parents, who live overseas, are breaking it up. NewsHub is owned by the US-based Warner Brothers Discovery, which bought the TV channels from MediaWorks back in December 2020. And after years of being owned by private equity funds since 2007 and struggling with debt ever since, Many in the media were pleased that the new owner was a global media and broadcasting powerhouse. The Overseas Investment Office even fast-tracked its application with no concerns that this wouldn't be in the national interest. On Wednesday's Newshub at 6, the local chief executive, Glenn Kine, was close to tears announcing the closure. But as he told Newshub's Michael Mora, he'd known about the plan for weeks.
0: Do you feel that you've waited a bit late to inform staff with this
1: well, I think the process that the organisation went through was one of evaluation. Um, it wasn't a uh, course of action at that point in time. The government also got a heads-up too earlier this week and the Asia-Pacific chief who flew in from Singapore to explain the bad news, Jamie Gibbons, was pretty cagey when ZB's Heather Duplessy-Allen asked him if the government should get involved.
2: Well, the, the government, um, I think, <clears throat> you know, needs to look at the, the industry as a whole. I... I, I The the issues that we've discussed with them, to be honest, um, you know, none of them individually, I think, would, would be able to make up for the gap that we're seeing in the ad market.
1: Well, the next morning, former TV3 and MediaWorks executive Andrew Schusterman, now the chief executive of the production company South Pacific Pictures, said that this decision will ripple out way beyond just the news and News Hub.
2: It is a big deal, and I know a lot of the news yesterday, rightly so, is around News Hub. But as this rolls out, we're going to start to see how this is going to imp- impact the production sector uh, irrevocably, possibly.
1: And Andrew Schusterman went on to tell RNZ's morning report that the powers that be in Australia wouldn't just sit back and do nothing.
2: Believe me, 7, 9, 10, SBS, ABC, Fox in Australia all run news services. I don't think we would see a day in Australia where the government would let the only last left commercial news operator and broadcaster, realistically, free-to-air broadcaster, just walk away. And the fact that the broadcasting minister hasn't fronted this morning—it's quite shameless.
1: Strong words. And soon after, on Morning Report, former TVNZ news boss Bill Ralston said the government's attitude was, "Oh dear, how sad, never mind." But is that so? And if so, well, is that fair enough? We'll come back to that later in this program and we'll also talk to a former news boss at the broadcaster who has since advised official reviews on public media policy and funding and we'll hear also from a long-serving journalist who's produced award-winning current affairs content for TV3 and outside it but first Hayden Donnell now looks at Warner Brothers Discovery's sudden decision this week and the fallout from it for the business of journalism You've likely seen the news by now that our company has proposed to shut down NewsHub from June Some people have been asking, does that affect AM2? And AM and News Hub are one and the same. We're all part of the same family. I hope you can hear me in this voice. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, that does mean the end of AM2. You're
0: making us tear up as well.
2: That's AM host Melissa Chan-Green extinguishing the hopes of her audience members at the top of the show on Thursday. Her co-host Lloyd Burr added his own eulogy, though he spiced it up with a small and, to be honest, quite visceral note of hope.
1: I'm so lucky to work with all of you, with you guys, with the people in the newsroom, including those people who stayed behind after such awful news yesterday. They stayed behind in the newsroom, they put a bulletin out and they set up this show this morning because we care about what we do. And we care about what you watch and we're just so thankful to have your company. Thank you for your support.
0: Mm, we've always done that. When the when the chips are down, we get through it. We somehow push through it. And John Campbell once said that we're tighter than a fish's bum. Oh.
2: <laughs> Thanks for that, John Campbell. The revelation that AM would be part of the News Hub shutdown wouldn't have been news to anyone who'd been listening to Heather Duplissy-Allen on News Talk ZB the previous day. She got that fact confirmed directly from the horse's mouth by Warner Brothers Discoveries' James Gibbons. And his revelation left her with one burning question. James, is this just the news, or is it absolutely everything news-related, the AM show, the Ryan Bridge show, News Hub Nation, the lot? It's um, all of the in-house news production, that's right. What are you going to do with all the equipment? Other potential lines of inquiry include, what are you going to do about all those people who are losing their jobs? And what are we going to do about the loss of media diversity and competition? Journalists, including news hubs Amelia Wade, did put those sorts of inquiries to the broadcasting minister, Melissa Lee. She said, don't worry about it, audiences have still got Sky.
0: Now they have one choice. Are you comfortable with that? Well, there's Sky as well. There's a whole lot of other medias about
2: over at Simon Barnett's afternoon show on Talk ZB, listeners echoed that consolation.
1: There's no news. I've got BBC and Al Jazeera and CNN and all them, and you get news as it's happening and whatever you want, and you put Channel 3 on, Channel 1 on, and it's Belfast builds new scout hut. You mm, know, yeah. and the, the world is falling to bits in a handcart, mm. and there's nothing ever on that really is news.
2: Just one problem with all this, though. Sky's news broadcast is supplied by News Hub, which doesn't make it a great alternative to content produced by News Hub. Axe David Seymour, a shareholding minister in TVNZ in this coalition, posited one idea for fixing the paucity of competition in broadcast news, weakening TVNZ's market position.
0: It may well mean that they have to make a return on equity, uh, just like every other business in New Zealand is required to do.
2: Sadly, TVNZ's dominance is far from NewsHub's only problem. Its demise comes in the context of a global downturn which has decimated the media's ad revenue, much of which had already been hoovered up by tech giants even before the economy went down the gurgler. NewsHub is far from alone in suffering in those conditions. Vice, which once boasted its own award winning New Zealand bureau and a valuation of US $5.7 billion, shut down news operations this week. Legacy outlets such as the Washington Post and the LA Times have been laying off staff, while publications like Sports Illustrated, Business Insider and Pitchfork are shells of their former selves. TVNZ's business correspondent Katie Bradford summarised the dismal economic conditions facing the industry on One News.
0: People aren't spending as much. We see it, for instance, with advertising revenue falling with News Hub. You know, there is not the demand out there, there's not the consumption out there.
2: Now I'm no economist, but forcing TVNZ to return a bigger dividend might not be enough to entice new players into that dire market. On X, formerly Twitter, reality check radio host and social media commentator Chantelle Baker skipped over those structural issues to claim NewsHub's real problem was that it just wasn't remotely interested in integrity and investigative journalism. News Hub's journalism was pivotal in Porter being freed after being convicted of a murder he didn't commit. It exposed flaws in the investigation into Peter Ellis. It highlighted alleged workplace abuses on offshore fishing vessels, uncovered lax practices in New Zealand's MIQ system, and more recently shone the spotlight on the exploitation of migrant workers. The men called police after their food ran out and they were forced to turn to begging. Nick Truebridge was there and has this exclusive report. Forty men crammed into a filthy,
3: overcrowded three-bedroom home for months on end, sharing a single shower, cooking over one stove. Not that there's anything to make. They tell us food that was being supplied hasn't come for three days.
2: The journalists who work to break those stories might take some issue with an internet radio host's assertion they're not interested in integrity or investigation. But Baker's tweet is at least indicative of another real problem with the media's business model. Its audiences have migrated online along with its ad revenue, and there they're met with a range of competing news sources, including influencers like Baker or outlets such as the privately bankrolled digital startup The Platform or the Voices for Freedom aligned Reality Check Radio. Some of those outlets and commentators might make spurious claims, like, for instance, that News Hub is shutting down because it isn't interested in integrity or investigative journalism. But they're still finding large audiences thanks to algorithms which prioritise engagement over factual accuracy. Back over at Newstalk ZB, Simon Barnett was dealing with the outworkings of that.
1: We should be getting that off the news, and we don't. Yeah, but where do you get it from? People from
2: their region talking about it.
0: What on Facebook? Okay. Well, I'm just I've just searched up the story, and there's there are people that covered it. And matter of fact, the first story that comes up is a News Hub story, and it says Genesis Energy say the opening of the floodgates in the river near Waitoa did not, absolutely did not lead to the flooding. You believe that? It's fake news.
2: Even without algorithmic juicing, though, these sometimes less-than-credible outlets have a big advantage over traditional news organisations which have to pay for journalists, transmission fees, and that aforementioned equipment. Their content is cheap as chips. Stuff's owner Sinead Boucher outlined the traditional media's struggle to compete for advertising and audience eyeballs in the social media age at a select committee hearing last week.
1: But our ability to continue to do this work is in grave peril. Journalism is in a
0: fight for its life against the most powerful and profitable companies that have ever existed.
2: At the same committee, RNZ Chief Paul Thompson joined a host of commentators in warning that the media's decay is bad for our democracy. If we don't tell and own our stories, and if if New Zealanders don't have a range of media to come to, public, private, community, commercial, print, digital, radio, TV... If they don't have a range and a choice, they will get the information from somewhere else
0: and it will break our democracy.
2: On Wednesday, our ability to tell our own stories got a bit weaker. News Hub's journalists have shone a light on some dark corners of society and provided an incisive check on our politicians. They even said so themselves after it was announced the service was shutting down. But it's not necessarily just
1: what's being lost that counts. It's what's taking its place. Hayden Denell, there. Well, as we heard from Hayden, some TV3 and News Hub reporting down the years has done great things, such as justice for Pora, jailed for more than 20 years for crimes that he didn't commit. Producer Eugene Bingham was instrumental in that over the years that he worked for TV3 shows 60 Minutes, Third Degree and 3D. But when those succumbed to TV3 budget cuts in 2015, a slimmed-down version of the team carried on reporting for Stuff as Stuff Circuit, winning more awards for their video documentaries. But late last year, Stuff Circuit was restructured out of existence, further evidence of the fragility of high-cost, in-depth reporting these days. Well, Eugene Bingham is now a freelance journalist, worried about where journalism is heading.
3: You know, I've been around long enough to remember... You know, ever since I started in journalism 34 or 33 years ago, there have been, you know, sort of death by a thousand cuts. But it was an incredibly dramatic moment, wasn't it? And one that I'm sure we'll look back on and think of as a watershed moment in democracy and journalism in this country.
1: So when the TV channels, including three, came up for sale, when the the Media Works company effectively split in two, sold to Discovery, as as it was at the time, People were pretty happy about that, saying, oh, this is a legit global media company with real clout, Um, but it's this ownership, this global titanic media company that is the one that said, no, we're not sustaining the losses, and we are prepared to now operate TV channels with no news operation. Yeah, oh, the irony, right? When these so-called vulture funds had it,
3: the operations still continued, albeit always running off the smell of an oily rag, but you know, along came a big media organisation, and they were the ones who axed it. So definitely some irony there. There's been some great journalism on the demise of journalism
1: in the last couple of days. The, when you described the work you did with um, Paula Penfold and Toby Longbottom, so your team uh, that did 3D and programs for and investigations for, for 3, that whole unit eventually ended up with stuff. Stuff could have been this so-called Big Bang that people are talking about now, couldn't it? Because... It also had offshore owners in, in Sydney. Uh, they didn't want it. They, they sold it to um, the current owner, Sinead Poucher, uh, in a kind of management buyer for a dollar. But that it could have all gone under at that point, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. It was very, very close
3: to going under, as I understand it. Absolutely. It's all, I just want to clarify, too, that it wasn't the entire um, operation of 3D that came across the course. It was a very small part of it. It was you know, the three of us initially, and then joined by by Phil Johnson.
1: Fair enough, but now, of course, Stuff Circuit is no longer being sustained by Stuff as well. Just relatively recently, yeah. they've made that decision. So, you know, is it another sign, um, perhaps a less dramatic one, that you know one of our media companies that's made that digital transition can't actually sustain that long form video, or has chosen not to. Absolutely.
3: You know, I was fortunate enough to be part of that stuff circuit team for a number of years. I finished up in 2019. But in those years that I was with them, we produced long form public interest in journalism. And the circuit team continued to do that right until the end, until the decision was made to to axe at the end of last year and make most of the members redundant. And the the News Hub news this week is just on top of that, compounding the issues that our industry faces.
1: So if this does play out as the proposal has it, you know, come the end of June, no more news hub, that leaves one huge national outlet of scale uh, on television anyway, at TVNZ, there is of course also Fakata Māori, which is a national broadcaster, but does it matter to you if the television journalism of scale and professionalism is all, you know, at outfits that are state-owned and in the case of Fakata Māori, state-funded? Yeah, it's, it's certainly an issue, isn't it? There's... Uh, sort of
3: wider issues that we need to be concerned about, about what people... Yeah, look, okay I, I can put it like this, that until now, people have had a choice. And TV3 kind of had a bit of a renegade approach to its news coverage, didn't it? And that's going back to the very early days. You know, Bill Ralston and so on would have a different approach to political journalism that was a bit you know rough and tumble some might say and sure that might not be your cup of tea but at least it gave viewers you know viewers had a choice and that that's a tradition that's carried on at TV3 yeah probably wouldn't you know, have been fostered at a, at a
1: state owned outfit that had more Hell
3: traditional no. underpinnings it, yeah it wouldn't have wouldn't have it wouldn't have um, wouldn't have worked it wouldn't have been allowed and that's something that's that became imbued within TV3's dna really and has continued and you know you think of what the way that for instance patrick gower would do his political journalism and it was you know it was it was very different to what would happen at, at TVNZ and th- that's that's good for for the the viewing public to have that choice and the fact that that's being removed that viewers are only going to be able to choose from state funded state owned broadcasters now in terms of their television news at least that's got to be a bad thing doesn't it mm,
1: and i guess there's also the possibility in the future, another government might be minded to sell, starve of funds. You know, somehow, you know, direct the board to do something that means it's harder for them to do news at scale. It makes it sort of vulnerable to political action in a way, doesn't it? Sure, absolutely. I mean, you're a
3: hostage to the whims of the government of the day, aren't you? And we've we've seen politicians be not necessarily kind in their thinking and words towards media. Can I put it that way? Do you really want the media to be? are reliant upon that funding stream alone. And as far as the channel itself goes, you know, sure, there's been diminishing audiences, but there's a reason still that, you know, the one and the three on remotes around the country are worn down. And that's because at six o'clock, people flick the channel, you know, and there are hundreds and thousands. And then that sort of anchors the night for those channels. That's That's been the traditional thinking. Of course, you know, there have been changes in viewing habits and so on, but it's still... The case for many, many households that the TV news sort of sets the agenda for the night and TV companies have kind of used them to um, flow into the night's viewing. So without a news program, there's going to be a question as to whether viewers will form a habit of watching whatever is
1: served on the Discovery channels. But in the end, Eugene, don't we have to confront the fact that much as people in the media know these things and sense these things, that not quite enough people these days do care about what you're talking about, whether it's executives and media companies either here or you know, offshore in the case of Discovery on the other side of the planet, or politicians who, as we've heard, have been kind of lukewarm about it, saying it seems like a shame but not inclined to intervene, or even just members of the public, you know, who in the end are happy to use these platforms like Netflix or, or Google Search or Facebook that, as they know, you know, carry news and local content and all of that, but contribute almost nothing to it. Absolutely, I don't think people quite
3: understand the depth of the problem facing media and the implications of that. And That certainly came through to me watching the comments of politicians and the broadcasting minister say, minister saying, "Well, people can still watch programs like Sky for their news." I don't know. It just seemed to me
1: that there was well, why not a, a though? Understanding, I mean, you know, she's just saying there's choice, right? Well,
3: okay. So what? New Zealand news coverage is there on Sky News. And also you have to pay to be a subscriber to see it in the first place. That's right. So it's, it's just, you're not going to get the news coverage on channels like Sky that we expect from channels like News Hub or from news bulletins. And that's not to put responsibility on the public and sort of wagging our fingers and and, and tutting at the public and saying, this is your fault. Of course it's not. This, this is a, a, a huge problem that's unfolding for media organisations around around the globe and has been a sort of slow-moving car crash for decades, isn't it? But I, I think people don't know what they're going to miss until it's gone. You know, it's 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 a real problem and I don't think people understand how serious it is. You know, I think it's up to journalism itself too to start to think about other ways to fund journalism. But I don't think the answer is you know, a government takeover of media, holus bolus, at all.
1: That was Eugene Bingham, who's now a freelance journalist, but formerly was a TV producer with Stuff and News Hub, and before that, TV3. Well, so far, the government's response has in fact been non-committal, as we heard earlier. Initially, the media minister, Melissa Lee, said that this was a case of a major company acting because its business model wasn't working, and the prime minister backed that up. But on Thursday, Melissa Lee said, I will be having continuous conversations with more stakeholders to see if there is any relief available. But she added, I do not see that it is the government's job to actually provide the relief. And it's not quite clear what that might mean. Well, we asked to speak to the minister here on Media Watch this week, again, but we were told there's no available time. However, when questioned in Parliament on Thursday about that legislation that's currently before a select committee, which would compel online tech platforms to pay local producers of news for it, Melissa Lee said this.
0: However, the government's position on this legislation will obviously
1: take into account these latest developments in terms of wider media landscape.
0: This government is committed to working with the sector on ways to ensure sector sustainability while still preserving the independence of our fourth estate and avoiding market interference.
1: But the government does, of course, already intervene in the market by overseeing the state owned broadcasters and agencies and putting in over a quarter of a billion dollars every year for broadcasters, programs, and content. As chief news officer at MediaWorks until 2020, when that company owned NewsHub and TV3, Hal Crawford knows all about that. Now he's a digital media consultant based in his native Australia and in 2021, the government's broadcasting funding agency, NZ On Air, engaged him to review its own spending of public money on the media. Now, in the course of that, Hal Crawford spoke to just about every media manager who matters, and he got a view of the state of the media right from the horse's mouth. So, if they're all operating hand-to-mouth these days, or, like NewsHub losing money heavily, what should the government do, if anything? Well, Hal, as you would be aware, uh, the company Discovery Warner Brothers is saying this is just a proposal, uh, not a done deal yet. They're open to ideas, suggestions and so on. Some of the staff are saying they're going to put their heads together next week, try and come up with a counter-proposal. Does that feel to you like
0: it's um, futile or actually something worth doing? TV3 and um, News Hub have been through some really close scrapes before and come out of it. The idea of consulting is usually just a form that people have to go through and you are doing something that has already been effectively decided. A lot of the time it means that the process you're going through is a sham. I'm not saying that that's the case here because I'm not close enough to know. However, when you have a proposal that is so extreme, it would seem the decision is made and that there's very little wiggle room there. Um, For example, Uh, This would have been the subject of a big strategic um, planning sessions and there would have been multiple scenarios on the table um, before this was made public. And so there have been strategic options on the table that have been considered by the company and they haven't done them. The option of running a smaller newsroom, I think financially that is possible and that would have been a – a, a proposal on the, on the table. And for whatever reason, they've decided not to go with that one. I think probably for good reason.
1: Is it actually an asset that someone, another media company could pick up or, you know, knowing that it loses so much money for the company and that's why they want to shut it down. Is it effectively awful as it is to say it just be really the liability?
0: One of the things that making TV news, uh, what makes it so expensive is the specific equipment that you have to use, like really expensive, um, that is kind of out of step with the modern um, technological internet enabled uh, world. The cameras that um, we did use to use, I'm not sure if they've changed that fleet of Panasonic cameras, but they were like a minimum $35,000. And there is kind of a minimum viable spend. So it's possible. I just think it's highly unlikely.
1: Well, when you were at uh, News Hub back then, the owner was the Mediaworks company. At the time, you know yourself, uh, the, the chief executive back then, Michael Anderson, uh, even Duncan Garner on the air, you know, they were kind of saying, look the lights could go out here, and, and you all pointed to the fact that state-owned TVNZ was kind of skewing the market and you wanted action taken about that. I have a challenge for the Broadcasting Minister, Chris Farfoy. Um Step in and save New Zealand television and New Zealand news channels before it's too late and, and the lights somehow go out. Oh, it's too late. (laughs) But Chris, I know you're up for this. There's money in the kitty. Going back to the bad old Stalinist days of Putin's channel only and no one else sort of exists, it's simply not an option, surely. You've got to help. Just on Friday, TVNZ posted serious losses, so they are now struggling as well. Is there a sort of, for you, a told-you-so element to this?
0: Yeah, look, now that I've got more distance from the situation and I'm not locked in what feels like a mortal struggle um, with TVNZ, it is, of course, a very unusual situation that you do have a government-owned entity that is nevertheless commercial. But it's a
1: good good That's thing just... now, as it, as it turns out. If uh, commercially owned ones are so vulnerable that they, you know, will switch off a news operation in one go, is uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is proposing to do here. Yeah. So,
0: no, that is no bad thing for the country. And and I would point out, as I probably couldn't when I was working within New Zealand, that I think um, TVNZ is a really good organisation and, and produces quality news. NewsHub um, does as well. Back when we did that, when Duncan did that whole lights out thing, and and everyone said, "Oh, it was totally engineered," and you know, obviously we weren't cynical. We were very close to, to closure um, because <laughs> because we weren't making money. That was in a situation um, where I'd, I'd done a lot of work. In my opinion, the newsroom, and and I could prove it with numbers. The newsroom was profitable, and it was um it was keeping the the station uh, afloat in terms of the consistency of the programming that you get from uh, a TV TV news in the schedule advertising the advertising situation is much worse it is it is obviously declined precipitously um over the past you know year that they couldn't sustain the losses yes
1: yeah, so even though TVnZ dominates their free-to-year market you know if they've got losing Uh, Announced on Friday, $16 million for the full financial year. Uh, That tells the story,
0: doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, who's going to subsidize that? No one's going to do that uh, and keep things the same. You have to reduce costs. And in TV, costs come in chunks. It was the same with the project. You couldn't keep half the program going. What I'm concerned about, Colin, that is going to happen here is that because news provides the lead-in to the rest of the programming, there's going to be a cascading negative effect on three um, and it really is going to dwindle as a a cultural entity in New Zealand because you're not going to be able to justify the funding from New Zealand on air if you aren't getting um, audiences into your prime time um, programming and Without local programming, it loses cultural relevance. It's hard for me to see a way out of three basically going away as a cultural force in New Zealand.
1: Well, the government has been pretty non-committal, you know they're not minded to intervene, uh, they say, and it's you know it's a commercial matter. But what do you think the government should do? Because, I mean, the government is involved, like it or not, in the media market in a big way, not just through its ownership of TVNZ and Fakata Māori, Māori Television. It puts in upwards of $250 million, uh, a year into public media content, New Zealand On Air, that you just mentioned, all the funding for that. So what, what mm-hmm. do you think the government ought to do?
0: I don't see there being any good solutions here for the government. It is very difficult to see a way out in this specific case. Uh, it's not a good idea for um, governments to knee-jerk and one-off sponsor particular commercial companies. You mean in the form of some sort of bailout or something like that? Yeah, bailout is not on the cards. I don't think that that makes any sense. Um, but are they going to have to change
1: their strategy here because if they're putting all this public money in every year uh, and a lot of it goes to television, and if one of the big main broadcasters that screens local content isn't able to do news um, and the audiences dwindle in the way you suggest it might without it, does it make sense to, to carry on doing that? And, and also more broadly, for, for example, in the last two budgets, the former government put $80 million over two years into Māori media content in the hope or expectation there might be a new public media entity, which there isn't, putting forward a bunch of money for content, and yet the
0: actual television broadcasters to screen it, the options are, are not great. If Yeah, well, I, I can't see, knowing everything I know about how TV works, it, it is almost impossible for me to see that 3 continues yes, anything but a shell in the way, you know, it's going to lose, say, 50% of its audience from a move like this. In terms of um, public policy, there was an experiment with the government directly funding news content, the Public Interest Journalism Fund, and that worked in a practical sense, and I think in a political sense it didn't work. I I would encourage um, New Zealand to try that again because I think that that is... The kind of thing that has to happen here,
1: well, one of the interesting things that resulted from that leaving aside the, you know, the, the kind of political response to it was uh, that it actually paid for uh, the jobs of journalists and people at news organizations, also for example, through the local democracy reporting funds, where people based in um, the offices of local news organizations, mostly local papers that still Ongoing, um, it creates this precedent. Maybe they would feel that a new government might be persuadable that you know public money instead of going into content could actually go to journalists or keeping a news operation.
0: Yeah, well, I, th- I think Colin, you know as well or better than I do the kind of the um, political pressures against. Um, direct financing of, of journalists. Um, but
1: no, no but, one picked
0: up but, a fuss about the local democracy reporting service, right? You know, reporters being
1: placed in the Ashburton Guardian or so on. That was going on before the Public Interest Journalism Fund. No one worried true. too much about that. And of course, you know, yep. New Zealand air has been funding content from the public purse for private That's and public right, broadcasters right. since for 30 years.
0: The vessel that people are hearing this conversation through has also been <laughs> financed by uh, by the public purse. Uh, around the world and in New Zealand there's ample evidence that a public funding of um, journalism, it, it is becoming more essential. So I wouldn't say, you know, give up any of our public broadcasters. I'd say maintain them and find a way to finance new um, journalism, maybe not through the old um, public monoliths but uh, through small um Commercial or not-for-profit um, enterprises make sure that they're doing local journalism, all of that stuff. So there, there has to be a way there because what we're seeing with the with the closure or the um, planned closure of News Hub is the uh, end result of um, the factors that we've known about for well at least a decade and probably a fair bit longer. So everyone knows that this is coming. Did no one believe it? I mean, why didn't they believe it? Of course, it was coming. It's you—you you cannot run things that cost, say, you know, 30000000 dollars a year. You can't run that if you're not getting the money in the door. No one is going to do that. So, you have to think of other solutions. Direct um, subsidy from the government to a commercial newsroom isn't going to work. And also, why would you finance something that has been shown to be, you know? the demand isn't there, the demand from the advertisers and the demand from the audience isn't there to maintain it. You've got to find another solution.
1: And Interesting, I look back at the report, so when you were engaged to look at how the Public Interest Journalism Fund might work, in the course of that you talked to just about everyone in the New Zealand media that mattered. Um, interesting part of the report here, it says many of our interviewees, the people you spoke to, uh, believe that if an organisation could show that cuts were imminent – They should be able to apply for funded roles under the Public Interest Journalism Fund. But you say here, um, the report says anyway, many saw the dangers in this non-incremental funding, but argued for exceptions in extreme circumstances. Uh, But then your conclusion in the report was funding could evaporate pretty quickly, trying to keep the newsrooms of big commercial companies afloat if this became the primary aim of the fund, so it's back in 2021. So three years That's on, right. I pr- pretty much that that scenario is exactly what you're talking about it seems to be unfolding. Yes,
0: right? I'm not in favour of it. Um, like you give money to the worst performers, <laughs> is that how it works? I mean, it's look. This might sound harsh to NewsHub, and actually, they're not poor performers. They're amazing people, and they told amazing stories. And that newsroom is very dear to my heart. But as policy. Are you going to give money to the people who are in financially the worst position? That is the most ineffective and unfair use of money that I can, public money that I can think of. You have to do it in a generative way, a positive way, not a negative way. If the market, I know this message will probably um, hit well with the, the, the current government, but if the market is telling you that something isn't wanted and needed, you have to listen to that. Mm. But so, it doesn't mean that you have to always listen to the market. You can do things, new things that have never been done before. And that's what I love about New Zealand and New Zealand media is that there are many experiments. There have been many experiment, e- experiments that have never been done anywhere else in the world, like the Public Interest Journalism Fund. So, for, But when you and, were saying in 2021,
1: yeah. you reached the conclusion that if you're going to fund roles, they shouldn't be backfilling things that have fallen away. There must be new roles, you know. So, so it's Correct. a positive thing, like you were saying. But if we're now in the situation where, you know, you, you, it would be pointless to add on new roles to things when the bottom is falling out of an organisation, such as we've seen at um, News Hub. So I mean, do we have to rethink this? If we are putting hundreds of millions of dollars into content, but the actual you know, mainstream broadcasters like News Hub or three are in danger of, of falling over, or the news and factual stuff disappearing altogether... I mean, does it make sense to carry on doing that?
0: Television is in a particular part of the cycle. Television had never borne the brunt of the internet revolution in the same way that newspapers had, for example. You know, TV stations had a lot of insulation from that because of the um, incredible popular um, power of, um, of reality programming. But it is finally catching up. It's not only revenue that is eroded, it's audience that is eroded. So, you know, free-to-air television viewing has been going down for many years. At the same time, you've had um, people nibbling away at your revenue. F- for both of those reasons, you can't keep the same level of cost going so that you have to reduce services and you get into this negative spiral. That is just something that's happened to TV. It won't um, ever be totally destroyed. That usually doesn't happen to things in media. It just hits a new and much lower level, and there are different ways that people adapt to the situation. So the fact that um, a really major and loved and really important TV newsroom is shutting down is absolutely to be expected. You know, as we, how many years ago was that that thing that Duncan did and the the, the op-ed that I put out that said, you know, this is, you know, we are going to have to close unless things change. Um, Everyone thought that we were um, being dramatic. Well, it turns out that we were being quite um, accurate. What's everyone going to do next? Like the thing about that wonderful newsroom is it's composed of people and those people are not dying. They are going to go on and they're going to have great careers and they're going to do wonderful things in other ways. So it's more important to see what's next. What can the government do? That makes sense in this situation how best to use those tens of millions of dollars that are being um, publicly funded and then how to structure it so that it doesn't become a political football because that is a very frustrating but very understandable part of the process if your opponent can use uh whatever scheme you put in to whack you over the head and make your life miserable well then it's not a workable solution the government has to find a way to sensibly finance news. That was Hal Crawford, a digital media consultant
1: based in Australia, who was recently engaged by New Zealand On Air to review its spending of public money on our media and journalism. And formerly, Hal was the chief news officer in MediaWorks, which oversaw NewsHub until 2020. Now, all along, the top brass at the current owner of NewsHub, Warner Brothers Discovery, have said that its plan to close NewsHub is just a proposal for now and not a done deal yet. And on Thursday, News Hub's Michael Morris said that he and some colleagues will meet next week to form a counter-proposal to keep the news operation functioning in some form. So whether that gets any backing and how the bosses respond remains to be seen, just like what the government does in response, if anything. Well, that's all we have for you on Media Watch this weekend, but we'll be back with more on the media with Midweek Media Watch next Wednesday after 9.30 on Nights with Emile Donovan. And then we'll be back again with more Media Watch at the same time next weekend here on RNZ National.